Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast from MediaBias.com. Joining me today is TJ. Yay! And Brent. Hi. We're going to talk about what we watched. We're in the office again today. So, typing will happen. <laughs> and hopefully we won't get distracted by various movies about tornadoes. But, I think we're going to start the watch list off, then get into some breezy, and then uh, tell you what you should watch next weekend. Uh, but first, I think we're going to hear from our delegate from TJ, <laughs> from the land of TJ. Yeah, I, I watched a ton, so I'll kind of pick and choose what I want to talk about. Um, there are a couple that I want to talk about. Um, I won't talk about the uh, freeform chance I got locked into today because the remote control was too far away and I was a little hungover, <laughs> a little tired, when I watched uh, the Julia Stiles film The Prince and Me. <laughs> it's awful. Yep. Then I watched two really good movies that are like the quintessential movie for freeform, which used to be ABC Family, I think. Um I ended up watching The Notebook, which I've seen before. It's really good, though. If yeah. you uh, don't think it's a good romantic drama, you're just wrong. And then a uh, really fun Disney film that I had never seen all the way through, but uh, is really good, too. Enchanted. Hmm. It's really funny at times. Yeah. The way they poke fun at Disney. I saw half of that in the theater. The uh, theater lost power due to a massive thunderstorm when I went to see Enchanted. No tornadoes in this podcast, bro. <laughs> this is just a thunderstorm. Tornado free. Uh but yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious if you know a lot about Disney movies. Uh, it's a true parody. And also, I found out something neat today. They Five years before Enchanted came out, Disney said, no more completely hand-drawn animation. It's all going to be computers. Huh. And Enchanted is the only time they've like reneged that. All the animation in Enchanted is completely hand-drawn. So it looks like Snow White. Nice. But, cool. yeah. So I did that today. It was a sad, weird day. <laughs> but I watched some other stuff throughout the week. I uh, watched a movie that I... Didn't know existed, which is weird with its cast and how much money it made. Anybody ever heard of the movie The Val? Is that the movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock? No, that's, that's the proposal. Okay, yes. you ha- that happens before the vows. Typically, <laughs> uh, the Val is starring Rachel McAdams and Channing Tatum. Okay, I like both of them a lot. Yeah, came out in two thousand twelve. Um, it was like the 10th highest grossing movie that year. The highest grossing romance of 2012. Weird. And I'd never heard of it. Um, so I'd, I'd definitely heard of it when it came out, but I thought it was a Nicholas Sparks book movie. Which would make sense if it made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Apparently. It's, it's an original movie, which is weird. Um, they are married couple in Chicago. Like they're, They play a hipster couple, which is real funny for Channing Tatum. But, um... They get in a car wreck, and she has, like, severe amnesia. Forgets who he is. Changes her, like, personality completely. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that. It's not very good. Okay. But it's weird. I mean, it's, 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 it is very average for a movie like that. So she, it's about a car accident where she hits her head? It's called The Owl? She gets stoned from the car. The Val. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was a joke, and I was like, that's a good pun, Brett. It, it was. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See, Zilla backed me up. Yeah. Um... I watched an independent film called Take Me Home. Anybody ever heard of this movie? It's different than Take Me Home Tonight, apparently. Would you call that an independent film? <laughs> I mean, someone made it on their own. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, no. Take Me Home. Take Me Home. It is a very, very independent movie. Is that the uh, Adam Scott, Josh Gad movie? No. I don't know what that's called. You know what I'm talking about? The movie with um, that's like about... Uh, like their friends in high school and that song was like big for them 
The take me home Let's take tonight. Me home tonight. Let's take me home tonight. Damn it. Apparently, like, Chris Pratt's in that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry, don't want to... These are movies... This is a movie none of us watch this okay. week. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie. Uh, take me home is weird. It's also very average. It's about a woman who finds her husband cheating and in New York, and she gets in the first cab she can find, and it's a guy who drives around in a cab that he... Where he tapes over all of the, uh, like, cab insignia, and... He's broke, so he sometimes he'll drive the cab around illegally. And he's just driving around right to start the shift one night because he got evicted. And she gets in, and she's like, just drive. She passes out in the back, goes to sleep. And she wakes up in there in Pennsylvania, and she decides she wants to go to California. And she'll pay him $10,000 or whatever to take him take her to California. It's them going across country and all the stuff that happens on the way. The uh, They fall in love. Okay. But the ending's kind of honest. <clears throat> Nothing crazy happens. I don't think they ever kiss or anything. It's just hmm. kind of like, like they're buddies. I'm looking at the cast, and the only name I recognize is Victor Garber, who's a character actor. So they are a real-life couple. Yeah. And he wrote and directed it. Okay. So, not going to be Sam, you would Sam Yeager? Yeah. Hmm. He's been in some stuff you might know. He's, I mean, like, one episode of bit characters in TV shows. Yeah. His IMDb page has a... Oh, he's in Inherent Vice. Alright. He's, yeah. he's written stuff, too. Hmm. Um, the reviews are good, probably because not a lot of people saw it. But, I don't know. It's It wasn't horrible. It was short enough that I've it, gotten it worked out. I kind of... One, one thing I, I... I don't know. Maybe I'm jaded from, like, Rotten Tomato user scores now and uh, IMDb user scores mm-hmm. and so now I I go to Letterbox sometimes and yeah. see what the average rating is and for this it's 3.2 I gave it 2.5 but yeah yeah, 3.2 is fine I wouldn't be upset with that I pretty much only use the Letterbox average review score to determine like am I being too harsh or too generous with this movie yeah I kind of like to see like, I go ahead and pick my score sometimes and then I'm like I'm curious where I if yeah. I like it more or less than the average yeah I, I, I pick mine first because I just the way that I use Letterboxd where I like search for the film and then click on the thing so I rate it right there before I even click into it. Right. So I'll rate it and I'll look at it and I might adjust like a half star just because. Yeah. And, and Letterboxd is certainly susceptible to the same pitfalls of, of other user scores but for I think they're generally a little more serious and less like uh, angry crowd motivated. Also a lot of critics and directors on Letterboxd so it's a good merge of like People like us and people like them. I yeah. feel like it's more insular. Like you, your your score is just for you, and it's not to drive the the. When you rate something, it's not you're not doing it thinking of how like it will affect the overall score. Yeah, especially when you're rating a movie like this, which you know probably not a lot of people have seen that was released in 2011. Mm-hmm. Like you're not looking at your mission critical rating, right? <laughs> that's that's well put. Uh, I did a rewatch of a great movie. I thought I, I think it's great because um, Will Smith's great in it, and Margot Robbie's always great. But I know Brent's watched it before. Focus, suicides. Oh, um, yeah, focus. <laughs> <laughs> you, the jokes that are almost hitting today. <laughs> You'll get there, buddy. I keep thinking you're making like like folksy Brent like mistakes, and it's like, oh wait, no. <laughs> I should give him more credit because I always because I do normally. <laughs> uh, you see, focus though, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a. Sur- yeah, I wouldn't call it like a great movie, but uh, it's a surprisingly entertaining one. Far better than I would have expected going yeah. in for the first time. Have you seen it, Chris? No. I um, like Rodrigo Santoro. He's really good in Westworld. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I think BD Wong is has a little cameo bit in Focus, yeah. and he's really good in his spot. But it's a it's a con movie, and it's really good. You get charming people. And it's like top level con. Too. Had you seen it before? Yeah. Okay. Really? I saw it when you saw it with Will Smith and Margot Robbie. There's charming people. Yeah. There, right? <laughs> um, but. They also do a thing that I like in movies where they meet and there's probably about 45 minutes of the movie and then it flashes forward three years. Yeah. Which is always fun when they don't connect to that. I don't know. I like both things. I like when it's like, here's a movie and that happened in a day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here's a movie over a span of a bunch of time. But, uh... They have a really great... They have fantastic chemistry in that movie. Together, yes. Yeah. They're great together. That, that makes that movie work. Yeah. And the story's fun. The end is good. When I you, don't remember, even. It's It's... A con on a con on a con. Yeah, I just uh, remember like layers of cut. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Ocean's Eleven. Andy Garcia was in on it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um. So yeah, check out Focus. Good movie. Uh, good music too. In Focus. I Is this streaming on something? Did you rent the Stars? DVD? Oh, you just can't remember which. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else did I watch? Ooh, five star movie. Watched for the first time. Yes, and I. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. From 1982. Y'all seen it? I have not. I have. Really um, good. Yeah. Really good. Even with like the... I, I, I feel bad because David wanted this movie to be in the talk of fame, but I feel like this is what American World in London was trying to do with the special effects. And this was just so much better. This was still like shocking to me to see. Yeah. Even though it looked like obvious... like. There's a scene where he's messing with blood in a petri dish in that scene, and you can obviously tell it's like a fake Kurt Russell hand because something's <laughs> about to explode. <laughs> like the depth isn't right, mm-hmm. but uh, still really good and one of the best horror stories to come up with ever. Of like a the you know the main plot. Mm, There's no. a monster that is perfect at copying organic beings. Ah, okay. So nobody ever knows. If he's there or not. Now is that that's a it's a remake, right? But a like a a very different remake. Like it's they they kept the plot, they kept the 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 monster, but they moved it to the South Pole. I was telling me this. I didn't read this, so I hope I'm getting it right. But I think that John Carpenter saw the original thing when he was little and wanted to recreate the feeling he had leaving the theater. So he made a remake, but it is very loose. Okay. Yeah. And then the movie was made. There's a another one that came out. I forget what it's called, and it's from the side of the Norwegian people in the beginning. It's their story, and then there was remade again in 2011 with um, Scott Pilgrim Girl and Tin Cloverfield Lane. Uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Winstead. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> again, a very loose remake of the yeah the remake. Huh. But uh. Fantastic, great ending. Great Had Kat seen it before? No. Oh, that's crazy, because she's such a big horror fan. Yeah. And that's like... It's been on her list. It's widely hailed as one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I'm looking at some of the images of like the... what like We know now John Carpenter body horror is like a thing. Yeah. But like some of the images of like disgusting crab thing with a head on it. Yeah. <laughs> like clinging to the ceiling. It's wild, man. Yeah. It is. And the whole thing takes place in... Research yeah, station in Antarctica, yeah, and uh, there are certain times at the end of the summer down there where uh, nothing can fly in or out anymore. It gets too cold mm-hmm. for helicopters to come in and out, and uh, they always have a big showing for the people there. They leave like six of them there for the winter. That's what 
the cast is in the movie. And uh, since 1982, they have like a theater day when there's everybody there, and they show The Shining and The Thing. Cool. And then fly out, which is neat. But, yeah, highly recommend The Thing if nobody's seen it. I don't know how I made it this long. I definitely don't know how cast did, but it was really good. Uh, <laughs> I'm down to two more. Now, you're moving through it pretty quick. Yeah, so. I know. Well, uh, I was trying to decide which one I wanted to talk about first. I watched a 2017 movie, although it's technically 2018 for our standards, I think. A Netflix movie called The Clapper. Y'all seen the poster or the trailer for it? No. Tracy Morgan, Ed Helms, and Amanda Seyfried. Mm-hmm. Is it the sequel to It Follows? No. <laughs> you're channeling your inner brain. I'm trying. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so dumb. <laughs> uh, Ed Helms plays, and Tracy Morgan play. People that get paid to go sit in the audience for infomercials. And they're in every infomercial, but they wear like mustaches or hats or glasses <laughs> or whatever. They change what they're doing. Sounds fun. It is fun. And uh, Ed Helms is like the best one. And he gets extra $50 every time he goes because he's the guy who gets to ask questions. So, like, the first scene in the movie is him standing in a mirror and he's like, You're telling me I can get a house with no down payment? <laughs> and he says it like 20 different ways. Um, and Tracy Morgan is doing the same thing, so you can imagine that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I was watching this, and I was like, man, Tracy Morgan, if I needed, like, a bit comedy supporting character, I would just, like, give me Tracy Morgan every time. Yeah. He's so damn funny. But, um, what happens is a Jimmy Fallon-type late-night guy has a skit where they find out this guy, the clapper, and they pretty much jeer out Ed Helms in all these different infomercials. Yeah. Wearing different disguises. They're, like, moving them over each other. Like, it's the same guy. we got to find out who this guy is. <laughs> like, if you got any information on him, get him here. Uh, and he pretty much gets famous and hates the fame. He's also very neurotic. He falls mm-hmm. in love with Amanda Seafood, who works at a gas station. And she works at, like, a Kroger-type gas station, so it's just a little box. Yeah. And the speaker's broken, so he has to sit out by the gas pumps to hear her, where she can, like, talk to that. Uh, yeah. So he'll just bring, like, a <clears throat> folding chair and sit. Oh. Talk to her. Yeah, it's kind of endearing. Yeah, it's kind of sweet. Um, the movie, all in all, is is pretty average. Um, aside from the great performances, there's just not a lot there that's new. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ed Helms comes in and out of being really good, <clears throat> but Tracy Morgan's great. Amanda Seyfried's kind of boring. Wouldn't recognize too many other people in it. <laughs> but it's uh it's fun. It's a Netflix original, or at least like funded. Distributed. Yeah. It says Netflix on the poster. Okay. Um, I saved the worst for last, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I just kept challenging Chris to watch this movie, and I think he had a busy week, so he didn't get to it. But I watched uh, Cirque de Freak, The Vampire's Assistant. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. Good. <laughs> I've never seen a movie that was more sure... It was going to have a sequel. <laughs> like, they were positive. There's, like, three cliffhangers at the end. There are, like, movie stars that are only in it for a minute because they're going to be in the later ones. Yeah. It was, like, a seven-book series, and it fucking sucks. <laughs> so goddamn bad. They don't even cast the kids right. There's two lead kids. One of them is some kid who's horrible, and the other one is, I mean, he's not great, but he's better than the shit kid. Uh, Josh Hutcherson, is that his name? Yeah. Hunter Games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plays like the the bad kid. But the cast in this movie is ridiculous. How many people they got, especially considering it was 2009 and some of these people were um, more famous then than they are now, I'll say. 
Is that me or her? It's pretty hard to tell. <laughs> between, between your like low bass voice and her being really far away. Uh, Patrick Fugit, Selma Hayek, John C. Riley, Josh Hutcherson, uh, Ken Watanabe, Orlando Jones, Willem Dafoe, Kristen Schaal. Who plays the head of the girl show on... The head of the girl show? Yeah. On a the show Girls? Girl Rock. Oh. Oh, uh, I was like, Liz? Wait. Who plays the blonde? Oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah. So she's in Jane it. Krakowski? Yeah. That's yes, it. she's in it as well. I always get her mixed up with John Krasinski. Because <laughs> nice. they both have Polish sounding last names and Jane and John. But it's real annoying. And they try to set up this like deep vampire background of like they're vampires that don't kill people. They like tranquilize people. <laughs> Just drink their blood but don't kill them. And then they're vampanese, which is very racist it seems. <laughs> and they're the ones who just like kill people for the fun of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Vampanese. Vampanese. Uh I hear that and I just have this image in my head of uh uh, Mickey Rooney with like uh, with the, but with fangs with like vampire fangs but the same like glasses that he wore in Breakfast at Tiffany's God, the, the most racist movie role ever it's it's just awful and then like the the freaks uh, Chris and Shaw plays this woman who has like teeth that can bite through anything okay Orlando Jones has a a career? No, yeah, career at the time. <laughs> no muscles or fat, like on his belly, so you can see all of his organs. Okay, but he's okay. Drain Guzowski can regenerate, which seems like a superpower, not a something yeah. I'd be in a circus with. Like, oh, what a freak! <laughs> she can never die. <laughs> uh, Orlando Jones has two bellies. Okay. No, Orlando Jones has the organ thing. Some other black guy has two bellies. Patrick Fugit's a snake man. A snake man? Snake? Oh, he just. He's scaly. <laughs> he doesn't have any of the cool parts about his thing. Just scales. Just doesn't use lotion. <laughs> yeah. He's just ashy. Um, so this is this sounds like it was re- 2009. That's like the height of the Twilight fervor. The let's put vampires in everything. Do you think that th- that this is like a like a byproduct of that? Kind of before the let's put zombies in everything again. It's a mix of that and like oh fuck, it's a popular young adult series. Let's make it into a franchise. Okay. Right? It was about the same time. Yeah, because two, 2009 is like a little ahead of the curve for let's turn every adult, young adult novel series into a movie or TV show. Yeah. But it's it's like right in the Vampire Diaries, True Blood, Twilight, fucking... Twilight, I feel like Twilight kind of launched both those a little bit. Yeah. Because, I mean, 2009, you were still only... I mean, all the Hunger Games books were out already. Yeah. So, I don't know. But I gave it one star. It is fucking awful. I just saw the tagline. It's great. The only country there was only one country in which this hit number one for a single weekend. Romania. It, it was. <laughs> it was the Ukraine. <laughs> Sorry, Ukraine. It only got to number nine in Romania. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Selma Hayek was a bearded lady dating John C. Riley, the head vampire. I really kind of hate Selma Hayek's acting. She's not very good. I've seen her in a couple things recently where I've just gone like, I really don't like her acting. No. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe I'm being too hard on Selma Hayek, but I think she can fucking deal with it. Yeah. I think she has enough fun. enough hundred dollar bills to wipe away those tears. I was trying to remember now, like, what launched her? 
I mean, Desperado was like 95. So was this movie... So I'm reading about this book series, and it's has four different trilogies, which makes it not a trilogy, but a 12-part <laughs> series. Um, so the first trilogy is known as Vampire Blood. The first book is Cirque du Freak. The second book is The Vampire's Assistant. Mm-hmm. So let me just read you, just see if this jives with the movie. Um, Mr. Krepsley makes Darren a half-vampire in return for saving the life of one of Darren's best friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Krepsley notes that Darren is quite lonely and brings him back to the freak show where he befriends a snake boy, Evravon, and a human, Sam Grest. Mm-hmm. And Krepsley brings Darren, Sean, and Evravon to his hometown where one of the vampire's enemies, a vampanese named Merlo, is murdering innocent people. Okay. So they made the first two books. They merged the first two books. Well, that makes sense because what's the first book called? Cirque de Freak. And, and the, the second, second book is called... The Vampire's Assistant. The, the movie's called Cirque de Freak. The Vampire's Assistant. <laughs> it's just funny to me that if it is four separate trilogies that in anticipation of sequels to this movie series... They did... They did two of the first... Three. Three in the first trilogy, but not the third. Right. I was thinking maybe they would do the whole trilogy in one movie and they were going to make four yeah. movies, but instead they did two-thirds of a single trilogy. And I don't remember exactly. Maybe they what, ran out of budget. What's going on at the end, but they're very like, like, you can't fight now, this war is not over yet. And they were like, it's not even close to over. And then like, credits roll, and it's just like, oh my god, I don't think you're going to make another one ten years later. Yeah. You never um, know, man. The Cirque du Freak reboot. Someone's listening it's also to this. John C. Riley in 2009. John C. Riley's done some shitty movies, though. Yeah, but this is like... I mean, I guess it's after him, like, blowing up or whatever. Desperado was Selma Hayek's fourth movie, the first in English. Okay, cool. So I guess that's what long street. She wasn't really good in that, but it's, I mean, the action's fun. Yeah. When did that come out? 95? Yeah. And then uh, From Dust Till Dawn was two years later. Yeah. One year later, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Um... She probably took both roles at the same time, is my guess. And then after that, it was Fool's Rush In, the biggest blockbuster she was in. I was going to see what John C. Wait, Rally's. for real? That was the most... <laughs> no, nah, okay. Fun. <laughs> for real? For real? All of us, all of us need We're to reca- bad at recalibrate our joke meter, because <laughs> we, keep, we keep missing. Um, so is that it for your watch list? Yeah. I know you're busy investigating John C. Riley's career, but... <laughs> It could take a while. <laughs> no, I just looked at the big ones, the awards. You been watching any TV? Uh, why, why don't you save part of that? Because I've only got one thing to talk about, so we can talk about that together. Okay. But, um, any other TV? No. Okay. Pl- playing anything? No. Okay. Well, yeah, but still playing Hearthstone. Two yep. years later. <laughs> I'll go. Um, I didn't watch any movies this week. Uh, I have been watching a couple of TV shows. One, I'm not... I'm gonna hold off till I finish the first season on it before I really delve in. But, uh... Uh, yeah, no. A frequent podcast contributor, Kelly, has uh, recently started watching one of the best shows of all time, Friday Night Lights. So, I decided I was gonna rewatch it too. And just so happens that uh, my wife also decided to start watching the Friday Night Lights. And so... TJ is also going to start watching it. And, uh... Man, I guess I'll watch it then. <laughs> Wait, have you seen it before? I watched probably the first three seasons. And then, <clears throat> right about the time that there's, like, the big split, 
which I think oh, is like yeah. season four. Yeah, it's been three, three to four. I yeah. stopped watching. I, not because I lost interest, but because it was live television, yeah. and I just dropped off. Sure. And four and five is just as good as one, two, and three. <clears throat> yeah, I, I actually think five is probably up there with one. Okay. The better seasons. That first season is so good. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. And I also, like, will never, ever forget Crucifictorious. That is that is the <laughs> best name for a Christian metal band. So we started a Facebook thread that's just about Friday Night Lights, me, Kelly, Brent, and Ashley. <laughs> and Brent changed his name to Lance. I changed my name to something. No, mine's Landry. I'm, uh, oh, no, no, you're right. Yeah, I'm Lance. Lance. I'm Lance. Yeah, I got it. And I changed mine to, I forget what it was. You're Smash's mom. mom. And uh, Ashley changed hers to Crucifictorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she won. She yeah. won that little game. But yeah, no, we, it's a rewatch for the two of us. But it's my first rewatch. Have you seen it more than once, or have you seen just just one? the one time? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we were talking about it a lot too, and we realized that we probably could use a rewatch because we were getting all kinds of plot details wrong. Well, just uh, the timing of them, like okay. the, chron- the chronology of how the plot unfolds over the course of the series. So, but yeah, no, really enjoying it. It's a uh, it's on Hulu and Amazon, and uh, I don't know. Every now and then, I like going back and revisiting shows that I loved. As we all know, I love doing that. Yeah, it's in that, and it's in that five season sweet spot that just seems like. And the last four seasons are only thirteen episodes each. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's also got. I mean, Chris is on the thread where Kelly asked if she should start watching it, and I was like, "Oh, it's a top ten TV drama for me." Like, oh yeah. Time. And Coach Taylor might be the most likable TV character ever. Uh, I've been recommending it to her for yeah. a long time. When because she she just finished ER, and so she was there's this gaping hole in her life, uh, and has been asking everybody has been asking like screaming on the top of a mountain, what should I watch next? And I we've been telling her watch Friday Night Lights. Nice. For some reason, it clicked last week. Yeah, <laughs> and it's she what, just it's, started. It's if not one of it's might be David's like favorite. It's definitely one of David's favorites. He yeah. loved it. Uh, I remember him like coming to trivia after watching the finale one night, and he was just, like kind of exhausted, <laughs> lots of tears. <laughs> but maybe David will rewatch it. Maybe if you if you're listening, David. Hey, I'm Friday Night Lights. Clear eyes, full hearts. Hey, David's baby, tell him to to watch Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Hey, David's baby, clear eyes. <laughs> Just let her finish it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> so, anything else, Brent, or just FNL? Just Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, and then Reality Roundup. I'm ready to catch back up with y'all on that whenever we get to it. So, cool. what'd you watch, Chris? I didn't watch anything, but I have two other things that I want to talk about. This is not a, a YouTube diatribe this time. Uh, I've been talking about it or recommending it without having listened to it, but having heard someone whose opinion I trust recommend it, uh, I listened to the podcast The Habitat. Um, It is about uh, this mission in Hawaii called Rising Seas, and it is six people, um, all scientists, all young people, all basically like astronaut, like age, occupation, and uh, fitness. They go and they lock themselves in a in a habitat um, and basically simulate life on Mars for a year. I've heard about uh, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is um, a reporter, um, Lynn, who uh, basically hands them a tape recorder and says, you know, record stuff like kind of give me some of your like di- like thoughts, whatever. 
just like use this as an outlet to just, you know send me the tapes every now and then um, and it follows them from like day one all the way through day 365 um, not with like an episode per month or anything but with uh, just kind of general themes like one of the episodes is all about um, are people having sex in the habitat like you've got six people who are all about like 25 26 in the best shapes of their lives and who are incredibly intelligent and who are stuck together and one of the uh, people in the habitat is this guy Cyprian who's French he the very first episode he paces out how big the habitat is and it's 33 paces by 33 paces so it's a small space um, but they do everything they like put on the suits and do EVA and like walk around this volcano in Hawaii um, they just have like the walkie-talkie communication or like the comms communication they get instructions from ground about you know the mission how long are they there they're there for a full year okay so it's not simulating like the time it takes to travel to Mars it's just if we sent six people to Mars this is what they're studying if we spend six send six people to Mars like what kind of data can we capture and you know they they do like daily, weekly, monthly surveys about how they feel, like they're if they have harbor like ill will towards other people, you know if they're getting on each other's nerves, if their diets change hmm. um, because they you know stop cooking one type of food, like all that stuff that they're trying to just like meter out how effective that first crew to Mars we send. Like we just want data on the interpersonal relationships because that's the hardest thing. You can't math that out, right? So. It's really interesting, though. Um, it's a little short for me. It's seven episodes. They're about a half hour long a piece. Um, but it's uh, it's published by Gimlet, which I guess is like a science podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. network. Uh, but it's really good. Um, I recommend it. It's really fun. They kind of break down uh, how people pair off, how they like pick, pick somebody who's like the annoying one who nobody likes. And they have interviews with them all afterwards because, you know, the, the reporter's basically like, you know, they're going to be able to hear what other people say about them when they listen to this podcast. So I'm just going to go talk to them. Like, the, the, the crew doctor is like gets on people's nerves. So afterwards, she goes and talks to her. And she's like, hey, so I know this is going to sound really rude, but I kind of got the impression that you weren't everyone's favorite person there. And she's like, oh, well, that's okay. I was there doing my job. It's like... That is very emotionally mature of this person. Um, but it's really neat. But I, I, I would recommend it to everyone. It's a, it's a really neat listen. Um, I think I got it done between uh, two different um, commutes. So, nice. I recommend it. While we're talking about podcasts, I'll jump in actually. And with one podcast I've been listening to, I always forget about podcasts being um, something we kind something of we can, talk about. We can yeah. talk about. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a podcast I've been listening to called uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones, and it's a it's like just uh, every episode focuses on like a crazy story from country music history. Yeah, from from way back when, and uh, that's it's, cool. It's really entertaining, and it's uh, they're they're long podcasts. Like each one's probably an hour and twenty minutes or so. Uh-huh. But um, I don't know. It's just hearing the, some of these stories are really really fun. Like the first episode is about. Um, the first episode is about country singer Ernest Tubb and what led him to, in the middle of the night one night, drive to the guys to the house of the man who owned the Grand Ole Opry to attempt to shoot him. 
Um, it's like nice. Ernest Tubb was well known at the time, and was just it was he was really upset over some business deals and whatnot, and uh, so it's just like the kind of a but it gives you like a pretty full background on the people and whatnot. Like the second episode is about. Loretta Lynn's song The Pill which was the most like banned song in country music history anyway I recommend it it's uh even if you even if you're not that into country music like old country music it's still there's still interesting stories there's some are horrifying and some are just like just fun and entertaining so it's uh recommend it it's called Ron's, uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones it's a good name yeah, yeah. <laughs> he apparently had uh, he mentions that he has enough he, he did the first season in the fall of 2017, and he mentions at one point he's already got the first like three seasons mapped out. Fun, how he wants to do it. So it's cool. Sweet, awesome. And I've got one more thing before we get into reality. <clears throat> I've been playing uh, a game that David talked about before. I've been playing Stardew Valley. Nice. Um, it is a Harvest Moon like farming sim, and that's about it. Um, but it's really fun, really engaging. One of those games I just want to get back to. But if you explain to somebody why you're hooked to it, they'll look at you like sure. you're insane. Like any like, sim. Yeah. yeah. I've just planted a bunch of strawberries, and they're like three days away from being able to harvest them and make a bunch of money. And I really want to like play to harvest my strawberries. <laughs> like, like, I get it. <laughs> I understand that sounds like a stupid game. That It's basically a game where you have chores, and I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, that's my quick little hit on Stardew Valley. I really like it. I've, I've been playing it because they just released co-op. I'm not playing co-op with anyone, but a bunch of people on YouTube have been streaming uh, their sessions, like and I was farm like, together. Yeah, so like it's one person's farm, and then another person plays with them. Right. So it's sort of like a co-op. Yeah, it is. Fu- <laughs> it is it's actually a co-op in both ways. Yes. It is fully cooperative and a. Cooperative, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just plenty of fun. Nice. But let's talk about Survivor. Yeah, Brent, lead off man. Uh, yeah, I. It's the quietest I, baseball. I, I, got, <laughs> I got caught yeah. up. I got caught up on the. I was out of town for the previous week's episode of Survivor that you guys talked about last week, um, and. Uh, so yeah, this week what happened? We lost Kellen, finally. Yes. Um, which I don't know. It, it, I, this season, I think most people are just doing what you kind of expect them to do. Except it's just been really tough for Laurel to navigate this season. Yeah, because if she put, gets out Donner Wendell, she's might be out next. But at I, the same time, she needs to. <laughs> I mean, I still don't think you can. I think the best chance for anybody besides Donna Wendell to win is to take both Donna and Wendell. She told them that, too. I know. And I said it before, on the podcast before. Yeah. And I think if they both get out before the fire-making challenge, if, if one of them isn't sitting at the final three, they just got lucky as shit this season. Yeah. There's no way there's a plan to get them out. When they know they both have idols. If they know that they can't vote him out at four. The two of them, though, at some point need to turn on each other. And, I mean, it depends. If one of them thinks they can win, it doesn't matter. Keep your vote around. They can't get them the other one out too early or the other one becomes, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the only person to get out. How, how does this season compare to previous seasons as far as 
two people doing like a hearty handshake and going final two and sticking with it this long. It's not. It used to be more common. I feel like in the in recent seasons there's been a lot more. I think that the attitude of game respects game has prevailed over the past few seasons where it's just like, oh, if you backstab me, that's fine. I was planning on backstabbing you anyway. Okay. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, this season's been kind of weird. There, first off, there was the weird, like, they were weirdly tied to their original tribes in this yeah. game. More so, like, it's that's something that was the way to play. It's the way everybody played, like, the first 15 seasons of Survivor. Um, that's what I remembered about original Survivor. Well, yeah. But now, like, I was telling TJ the other day, like, we're almost to the final episode, and I almost never can remember the tribe names yeah. at this point. Because they are, they stop being Malolo relevant. and Navidi, though. But yeah, Navidi yeah. and Malolo, they keep talking about it. I don't remember what the it. other one was, but... Partially, it might be because of the way Donathan pronounces Malolo that I just, that just well, I mean, sticks in my head. Those two did crazy things, too, where, like, Navidi never had to go to tribal. Somebody yeah. went to their first tribal with like nine people left. It was Chris. Chris Noble got voted yeah. out. Yeah, that is first. And then um, Malolo had that string of just where they had to vote somebody else yeah. every time. They lost everything. Yeah. Then they reshuffled, and then it was still Malolo. Yeah. And they reshuffled, and it was still Malolo. Right. But yeah, the uh, yeah, it's 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 been a little unusual for recent seasons in that like it's just been a, a couple of small alliances, and there hasn't been a lot of shifting going on. Nobody's playing like think of like like Sarah Lucina a few years ago in Game Changers the way she just sort of kept she was in so many circles at once and uh, was bouncing around and just so much management of people that she had to do and this one it's really just it's Laurel does she want to go with the, the the strong players or the majority players because she can the only make, thing that makes she the, can make either side the majority if that, she decides to I feel like that doesn't give enough credit to what Dom and Wendell are doing, only because they haven't played their idols. Right. They've had the entire show. Yeah, everyone has had an opportunity to take a shot at them, and they haven't yet. Like, I, I don't understand keeping Dom and Wendell in this game for so long, because, like, what is Sebastian's plan? Like, what is... Like, we know Donathan's plan. Donathan's plan is basically stir the pot, make people feel uneasy. He's already won. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's doing a, a great job. And I think Seabass might think the same way a little. I think he just might be trusting and he thinks that conversation he had the one time with Dom and Wendell where they were like, us guys, us four guys, we're going to be together I, at the end. I wonder if Seabass's strategy at this point is just be well-liked and hope he can wind up the third person with two people who the jury's mad at, which hasn't worked really well in recent years, but it has worked in the past. It's worked at some point. Yeah, I just don't think the when they're this like fanboy of Survivor... They're not going to not vote on somebody who deserves to win because they didn't like him. Who executed a plan really well, even if they hated that it worked against them. So who's your odds-on favorite right now? I'm Wendell. I like Laurel. My favorite to win mm -hmm. is Dominic. Because I think, I, think they, I think the group will prioritize getting Wendell out before they will prioritize getting Dominic out. So I think for that reason alone, he's more likely to wind up in the final three, and I just can't pick anyone else. I get the feeling that the cast... I think I get the feeling that we like Laurel more than the rest of the cast does. Hmm. I just can't pick anybody besides Dimer Wendell, because <clears throat> the odds are one of them's going to be sitting there. You know? The odds are they make the vote. Right. If there are six people left and they have each have an idol. 
I wonder. I wonder if we will ever get that frank conversation because, like, Laurel has to talk to Jonathan about the way he's acting, or, or like, Jonathan has to realize that if he keeps doing this and making Don and Wendell uneasy, that he's next, or he's going soon, like. And so, like, the conversation has to be like, all right, Jonathan, either we go with one of your plans and we stick to it, or, like, one of us has got to go between the two of us. Because there's no way we can get them both out in two tribals. Well, I guess they don't know they're making fire for the final We don't know yet. Yeah. My my hunch is that they do know. Okay. They say say final three a lot. I'm going to take you to the final three. Yeah. Like, us three, we'll go together. They say that a lot this season. No, see, I, that's weird. I've been noticing they've been saying Final Four. No, they said it at, at the little school island. They've, they've said, they said, said both. I won't, let's go with the three of us sitting there at the end. And she said, the only way to go is if I'm sitting by y'all. Us three. Yeah. Yeah, they've definitely said... They've, I've also heard them say Final Four. So, But, I mean, there's always a Final Four. And there's always well. a Final Five. There's right. always a Final Six. Yeah. I just... I don't know. The only time I've ever heard of anybody talking about this is like y'all or people writing about it who aren't part of the show. So it's really weird, the fire challenge thing, that they haven't said it at once. I'm trying to think if I've heard a. I haven't. I've cast. looked for like production quotes and yeah. I can't find it anywhere. It's all people like, they're going to do that hmm. again. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense in my mind why they would do that because it's it makes it less of like an obvious vote. When you've got, like, a very basic alliance. Like, I don't, I don't know the history, obviously, but I don't think that there's a lot of surprises going from four to three. So making them, taking one person with immunity, excluding them, and then making three people build fire seems fair for a show that's about surviving on an island. Like, can you do the basic thing for human survival? I think also it comes from a place where it's like, it, normally it... You have it's very common to have like an alliance of four get to the end yeah. and then they vote out their their best their leader basically yeah. to prevent them from winning and so um, I could see this as a uh, I do hope all the players know about it but I I don't mind I like the new rule just because it makes it harder to navigate for that just to that end that 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 would be the second least interesting. Uh, tribal council that I have I mean final three that I've seen if it's Dominic and Wendell and the guy who's been making fire all the time Sebastian the three of them as the final is not going to be very interesting to me I mean it'd be interesting to see Dom versus Wendell I guess but. yeah I mean because Dominic is very actions and Wendell is and you can tell he's very intelligent yeah the way that he talks to people and, and reads people yeah his his reads on Laurel and Donathan and like bordering on like phenomenal. Yeah. Right. If any, if any of these people don't take Angela with them as their pick to the final travel, or Donathan, Donathan's done. I know. I've, I've been saying this forever. How that you were like a little high on him. Maybe like he's got a window, kind of. Yeah. Until I saw these last two episodes. The last week he just lost it. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's fine for him. Yeah. You know what he's doing. You know, they haven't talked much this season about the lack of food, but I think we're starting to see it manifest in how some people are just losing it. Yeah. We had Kellen a couple weeks ago. We had, I think even Wendell's cracking a little. Like, the way that he's like... He, the challenge, maybe. And he is being way too expressive during Tribal Council. When people will say something, he'll look at them wide-eyed like, what? 
It's like, yeah. I feel like you want to play that a little closer to the vest. Desiree had that, had her meltdown episode. She was, I still give her, I throw a lot of respect on her name for what she did. Like, and then afterwards being like, what? They yeah. knew I was lying. Yeah, she tried to make a move. Eh, I had to try. It's like, all right, cool. But yeah, I, I, it, it must. I wonder if, It's like, affecting them. I wonder if hunger makes you more desperate to make that move. You're just like, okay, today I'm either going to win this game or I'm going home and eating a burger. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you wake up a day and you're just like, I'm done. That's kind of how I felt about Donaldson. I was like, I looked at his son and I was like, he might just be done yeah. with this. He, he, saw, his, like, he saw his aunt. Home. His aunt was like, you know, your mom and your grandma send you love. And, and if he's been watching this Survivor for... 20 years or whatever, like, he's got to know he doesn't have a shot, too. Like, when you're sitting there with Dom and Wendell and everybody knows they both have idols, you're just like, is but, it worth another week? But if he's final three with them, he still might. No Because the, the jury doesn't communicate but where the votes are going. So if they're like, well, Dominic had good arguments, like, his vote played, like, do you think it's going to be like a 5-5-2 kind of split? If it's not, then yeah. I think, I think if... Dom or Wendell or Dom and Wendell are in the final. One of the two of them win, no matter what. I think Laurel's got a shot, but out to go. I guess three four three would be the yeah. count, right? Because yeah. that's what she told them yeah. that she but, was hoping for. No, I would. I would actually bet money that if Dom, any form of Dom and Wendell are there, that they win. See, Dom's got the big strike for him on his resume that. He was picked out as an adversary by somebody who was strong, and Dominic got rid of him. Like, that's the thing that Wendell doesn't have. Is he doesn't have that, like, he didn't call his shot the way... It, Wendell has done, I think, an equally good job, but it hasn't been as flashy as Dominic. No, Wendell also never worn the necklace Right, Dom has. You also don't get... You rarely get anymore. You rarely get close votes at the end. Like, last year was one of the closest... Uh, when it was uh, Chrissy and... Ben mm-hmm. was one of the closer votes in recent years. It still wasn't close. <laughs> Mathematically, it was close. Right. I mean, yeah, in the scheme of all the numbers that are numbers, it was close. So I love what, like 7 3? Oh, Maybe. Ryan got a vote too. No, it was 6 3 6 3 1. 1. Yeah. 6 3 1. Yeah. I mean, nor- I-, I would say the norm is, like, even for this, for Wendell and Dom, I was thinking, like, it wouldn't surprise me if it's 7 3 in one direction or the other. Based I on think Dom and Wendell it. would be close. Yeah. Probably closer than last year. Yeah, it's sure. well. That's that's the thing that's hard for me to compute because they don't watch a lot of these or haven't watched a lot of these. Is last year with Chrissy and Ben, you had two people who played two completely different games, and so you know people choose which one they want to reward. But this is two people playing the exact same game. They're both vote right. marshals. They're they're both like majority whips. And they get the votes in order. Wendell does a little more legwork there, but Dominic seems like he's the person with the machinations of the plan. So, like, I don't really, I don't know if there's a discernible difference between how they've played until they like they have to play against each other for them to prevent some someone like Laurel or even Angela. If Angela goes like immunity, immunity, then she's got enough of a of a record to hopefully split their vote and go. These two clowns work together. If it was the best two people. Who, split the million dollars then sure they win but it's not you know I was here I was not in their alliance and I'm standing here on stage with them right and then see I think that makes it more close and just not not mathematically talking I'm not trying to dwell on that right like in the terms of it being close so you could look at the jury last year and be like four people are voting for Ben this isn't going to be close she needs everybody else to go her way and that 
not going to happen. Right. So it's not close. It's like an electoral college, like, a, like in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this isn't a close, even though sure it's only a few votes. It's yeah. Not, it was never close. And that's the way I always thought about Ben. I can see Diamond Wendell. I hope they're both sitting there because that's the only way the vote's fun. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you really have... I think Wendell's going to be fantastic at interacting with the jury. And at the same time, I think... Um, but I think uh, I think Dominic, though, first off, is going to have the the wife and kids argument, which Wendell doesn't. Which, it, it sh- it's not the main argument, but it should... It will ben, factor ben in. Had a, ben had the veteran thing last yeah. year. Yeah, it will factor into somebody's vote probably. But also, Dominic had a more high-profile somebody, like somebody coming after him, high-profile yeah. with Chris, mm-hmm. and he survived that. And I think that will carry a little more weight than maybe a few efforts to to snuff out Wendell, which Wendell isn't really the one who snuffed them out. It was Laurel who just said, "No, we're not taking out Wendell." Yeah. Right. So. But. I mean. Yeah. Laurel says we're not taking out Wendell, but you still have to trust that. Wendell stuffed out what was happening, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or he's just dumb. And I don't think he's dumb. No. no, no, he definitely, he did. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's hard. I just don't. Laurel's got a chance. I don't think Seabass or Angela or Donathan have a shot anymore. I still think there's a chance that if if Donathan's freakouts end up like pulling the tribe against Dom and Wendell, because with six people, your first vote, if you have immunity on the side of not Dom and Wendell, if you split your votes smartly enough, they can both play their idols, and then whoever they want to go home is going home anyway, or one of them is going home. If and if Donathan is a, is a whoever whoever leads the charge and gets successfully one of them out, I think has a good shot of winning. So I think Laurel for sure. If Laurel wins the next two immunity challenges and Domin Wendell don't go, she's an easy win. I think that'd be three in a row immunities for her. Recency bias. Yeah. If Domin Wendell go, she takes it home. But do you think the other three have that opportunity if they win the next two immunities and go? I think Donathan could. If Sebastian pulls the rest of them in and goes, guys, now's the time to turn on them. If Sebastian's the one who, in front of the jury, can go, I got them two out. They ran the game and I got rid of them. And I got my immunity. Yeah. Like, Maybe they all could. I mean, I, can't, I could see Angela doing it, too, honestly. Yeah, she's she's a beast at challenges, too. She just can't figure out fucking that bridge puzzle. What? Like, that was so... Me and Brent talked about that. Oh, my God. I yelled so at the TV screen. I yelled... Look at the bridge next to you. The one that's been done for like 20 minutes. The best bird was Propes, though. It's like, Laura, uh, Angela still struggling on the puzzle. There aren't that many pieces. <laughs> and then when Donathan was still struggling with it, it Brooke, he was like, uh, Angela and Donathan keep going back and picking up the same puzzle pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what Brent said that had to have happened. Is they drop one and they go, oh no. <laughs> I don't know which one I just dropped. Um... So I was thinking about, you know, you think about like the economic factors for some the final vote and out of the six remaining contestants, I think five, you could make the argument that they don't need the money. And then there's Donathan. And that would probably just completely change his life. Oh yeah. Like uh Angela is, you know, worked in the military, she's going to have pension and whatnot and she's probably okay. And then um, She's got the college fund argument, though. Sebastian, but, yeah. Sebastian, just by what I his don't listed think his job, lifestyle requires a lot of money. That and also either that or 
he has possibly comes from so much money where he gets to just do yeah. that. I'm, I'm sorry. I saw his sister. They got money. Yeah. <laughs> and so you got those two that are the maybes. And then you've got uh, Dominic is like, he tells people he's in construction specifically so that they don't, but he hasn't been specific because he's like a foreman and he works pretty high up. Dominic. Um, okay, Dominic. Like, yeah. yeah. Dominic. And so it's like, he, Donovan's a construction foreman? Can you no. imagine? <laughs> yeah. No, Dominic, Dominic is, uh, you know, pretty high up in his construction company. And then that leaves you with Wendell and Laurel, who are both uh, IV graduates. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to... You're, so you're picking Wendell to win. Yeah, it's really close between him and Dom, though. It's like 48, 48... Yeah, it is very close. I'm picking Dom to win. I'm I'm taking the squirrel vote and I'm picking Laurel. A lot of things have to happen for her. Right. But if they do, I think she's a lock. First thing I think so you're is picking that... Yanny. <laughs> but we're not. Don't <laughs> don't, just don't. I was thinking about like putting that in as like a part of like the blurb for this, and I was like, by the time this comes out, the world will be so past so it. So <laughs> Brent and um, Brian are the what's Jimmy Kimmel's Assistant, the Guillermo Latin guy, yeah. Who was saying, have you seen it? Yogurt, yeah. Joker, 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 Joker. All right, well, there's dogs barking. We'll do what should we see this weekend, guys? Yeah, there's one movie coming out this weekend because studios aren't stupid. The trend continues. Solo, solo. It is weird that there's a Star Wars movie coming out, and I'm just, I feel like I'm like my body is only mildly aware of it. Yeah, I'll go see it. I'm sure it's good. We skipped Breezy, but I don't think there's much Breezy. The only Breezy was between when we read the news and when it was re-picked up. Yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine was resurrected by uh, NBC. Right. And that good. was... Also, because I haven't heard it on the podcast lately, there is going to be a third Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Starring the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been rumored for a long time, but they actually have a script. And it is... It is the pre-production work has started on it. Also, sign up for the free trial YouTube Red because Cobra Kai is getting good reviews. Yeah. Little YouTube web series. One, one of the friends of the podcast, Brian, uh, watched it and he said it was really good. Yeah. Uh, and he only watches sports. So for him to venture <laughs> off and actually... It's true. It is. Uh, for him to venture off into something fictional and really enjoy it, it must be a sign. Only TV show I know is we watch this Dragon Ball Z and they've got a ball. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But yeah, that'll do it for us. I'm going to outro. This has been Tonky Talk, the podcast from MediaByUs.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Media By Us. You can find us at our groups, TV By Us, Games By Us, Movies By Us. You can also reach us by email at TheMediaByUs at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at TheMediaByUs. Uh, we'd like to give a special thanks to the intro music, Willow Walkers. And a special thanks to the outro music, Burifa. I want to thank my dog and TJ's dog for being uh, incredulous little shits. Um, and uh, give us a rating on iTunes. If you love hearing dogs bark while we bitch and moan about Survivor, uh, that's where you'll tell us. Uh, thanks, TJ. Bye. Thanks, Brian. Bye. Thanks, me. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago 
Kicking out records of all the things that I know 